Welcome to the Zero Hour, brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. It is 2020, a slightly new podcast. I'm George Comedy. I'm Ashley Stone. And this is a new year, new edition, more like new format, new guests. We're going to talk to not just cybersecurity leaders, we're talking to business leaders, executives, marketers, everyone who is touching digital technology in a way that is either driving business forward or confronting the challenges that come with it. We love it, and we think you're going to love it, too. That's right. So the first guest of 2020 is Mark Sternberg, CEO and co-founder of Brand Innovators, which is a, a rather unique peer-to-peer conference. Um, it's not like anything I'd been to before. It kind of avoids the typical trade show pitfalls. And we get into uh, what's discussed there and um, some of the new challenges that are confronting uh, marketing teams, especially the emergence of mobile chat channels like WhatsApp for brands. All right, without further ado, here's Mark. Here we go. Hello, it's Mark. Hey, Mark. It's George with Safeguard Cyber. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? All right. We also have on the line my colleague, Ashley Stone. Hi there. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Great. How's it going? Fabulous. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, I know you're very busy. I've probably caught you between flights. Um, all right. So, uh, Mark, let's just start at the beginning. Um, what led you to start Brand Innovators? Uh, it struck me as um, a really interesting format uh, when I went, and I have some more questions about that. But I was wondering. Was there a gap or something that you perceived in the market that led you to this idea? Absolutely, yeah. Well, I think it was a confluence of factors. Um, my last business uh, was a marketplace to connect early stage um, startups with VCs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the startups were in the digital media and advertising technology categories. And uh, during the recession, um, if you recall, not so long ago, right. 2009, 10, 11, a lot of these companies were having a hard time raising capital because um, you know the VCs had pretty much gone dark for a couple of three years. So they were coming to me and saying, hey, rather than raising money uh, or an- another round, we perhaps you can help us grow our top line i.e. Um, find us some brands to, uh, uh, to, to meet that we can mm-hmm. uh, onboard. So, you know, in lieu of uh, hard cash from an investor, well, okay, same difference. Find us some new clients. Um, there was also another uh, phenomenon taking place around the time, around that time, which was the very, very beginning of what we call uh, kind of the brand direct phenomenon. Um, and around that time is when brands were starting to understand that technology, right. Mm -hmm. Um, was uh, the ultimate game changer and it was, uh, reinventing how they engage with and build long-term relationships and loyalty with their consumers. And they were just started to feel, well, not only left behind, but overwhelmed by the new and emerging technologies, platforms, channels, and devices that were disrupting 
how all of us consume media and entertainment. So, yeah, I think we forget that, like at the financial crisis, which we're now ten years yeah, away so, from, that like social media wasn't the default for many brands at that right. time. N- not at all. And to to your point, Facebook was really the wake up call. Mm-hmm. And if you remember those early days of Facebook, you know every every quarter they were growing by you know 50 million people users a quarter basically that's if right not more and all of a sudden it's about attention right media audience is about attention and if you're not watching television right um or you know surfing the web if you will uh, or on YouTube, guess what? You are now spending a lot of time on this Facebook. And everybody was, hey, are you on Facebook, right? And as we all know, eyeballs, you know, and the amount of time expended on this new format, social media, was starting to suck up a, a lot of hours. And brands were like, well, we need to be here, right? We need to be on this screen. We need to be where our consumers are. And, and without even understanding at that time that they weren't going to be able to drive it like TV, like they couldn't control the message. I think that was the second revelation was a panicked rush into Facebook. And then, uh, oh, wait, we aren't the primary player here, right? The, the customer is. Absolutely. Right. Right. But they, they knew they knew they knew what, uh, what they didn't know. They knew enough to know what they don't know, <laughs> didn't know, which is what, you know, we need to be here. Right. So all of a sudden it was like, well, how do we, you know, this Facebook thing, right? You know, so you've got the brands calling their agency, like, why aren't we using this? My kid's using it. (laughs) All my friends are on it. So all of a sudden the world had changed where, you know, you could buy a, a roadblock on network TV or cable TV, or you could buy a TV spot on Monday night football. Well, guess what? You know, there are not now a lot more ways. And this is even before, you know, and at that time, even watching a video, remember buffering? Yeah. Kind of a, a <laughs> wild to load, spinning wheel. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, uh, uh, so that YouTube experience wasn't, you know, quite there yet. Um, and targeting was, you know, really at its infancy so so the other channels were still also kind of like evolving and there was no mobile right iphone came out in 2007 yes people had it but you know the experience uh, wasn't quite it was it was novel but we weren't staring at it as it wasn't getting to like the adoption and you know the capabilities and and uh you know connection uh We'll get to mobile in a minute. But so basically it was Facebook that that was the wake up calls for the brands. And because social media enables you to to build what we call a one to one relationship with the consumers, all of a sudden, right, Facebook and then Twitter, like, you know, you could have a dialogue with your with your consumer or, you know, in the case of a CPG, your, your end user. Right, because mm. it was traditionally the retailer who owns that relationship. Now, if you're Johnson and Johnson, you know somebody can complain to you about band aids or talcum powder or you know Q-tips, or or, or not even talk to you, but talk about you. Like they could yes. just yeah, bad, bad reviews. Shout, or, shout it out loud to yeah. everyone who's listening. Yes, 
Exactly. So the power of social media, social media amplification, right? If I tell two friends and you, they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on. So brands are like, Hey, we got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And now another aspect of this, and this has still not been resolved is the agencies were not necessarily aligned with the brands. So they were like, ah, you know, that Facebook thing. Oh, remember MySpace? Like, Oh, I don't know about this. But right, because they were kind of very happy, right, buying network TV and making their 15% agency commissions and so forth. And you know, there was sort of like a, a lot of inertia there. Like mm-hmm. this is how biz- this is how business gets done in the ad world. You big, know? big ships are slow to turn. Yes, until they hit an iceberg. And <laughs> yeah, right, right. So basically, yeah. So you have the so so that's when brands. That was the wake up call. So. You said, how do I get in? Long answer here. How do I get into this? So I, I realized like, wait a minute. If we built a marketplace to connect uh, brands, well, really, first and foremost, uh, um, a conference business, which ultimately defaulted to what we call the brand innovators community, right? We built a community to help brand marketers um, really kind of rationalize how to use new and emerging technologies, right? Um we might be onto something. And that's when I kind of pivoted and started the brand innovators in 2011. And, um, yeah. Okay. Well, so the, the original impetus was to, you know, connect, uh, providers to brands and then eventually evolved to bring brands together to discuss these new technologies and, and maybe the challenges that they posed, um, could you talk to us a little bit about the format? And I, I will go on to say for our listeners that it was an interesting format. It's not your typical trade show. There are no stands. It really is um, panels, fireside chats, uh, brands doing presentations. But I think what was unique is it was a safe space. And it, you know, we were at Nestle headquarters and I was watching uh, Vice President from Hilton talk about something the lady sitting next to me is from marriott and taking notes and i had never seen competitors be so willing to just talk about their best practices or their strategies in front of one another which is was very again unique i think i'd never seen that before so i think you've created something special but i was curious as to how did you come across that format or how did you decide on that or you know the space you wanted to create yeah, uh, it's interesting you picked up on that because, you know, that is really part of our USP, um, which is this peer to this peer to peer aspect, right? And it is not uncommon for us to have, you know, Coke and Pepsi, Mercedes and BMW, you know, Marriott and Hilton in the same room. Uh, it's interesting. There is a feeling in the brand marketing community that. Um, everybody's kind of overwhelmed right now, <laughs> right? They are. I mean, who could possibly keep up with everything? With You know, every day, right? There's a whole ecosystem here. So essentially, these digital media, advertising technology companies, data company, companies, you know, they're being funded to the tune of, you know, tens of million, if not billions of dollars annually by the venture capitalists, mm-hmm. right? You know, what other industry, you know, has this kind of like outsourcing of innovation, right, to these third parties, okay? And these companies are 
scientists doing everything they can there, you know, to figure out, hey, how can I help, you know, Nestle sell more candy or out of the candy business? Nestle sell more food, <laughs> food and beverage products mm-hmm. and bottled water. And, you know, how can I help Marriott book more hotel rooms? And how can I help, you know, um, Liberty Mutual sell more insurance? Okay. That's right. So, I mean, yeah, Ashley and I are former agency employees and we were just talking about when you went to rfp like an ad tech vendor i mean the options are limitless and it's just figure out talk to your colleagues see what they do and that's the best place to start exactly so one of the reasons why we have a business i didn't realize this but this would be you know uh, one of the um ways it would manifest itself but it's fascinating. Do you really have brands that are competitors that are like, I'm, you know, look, nobody's trading, sharing trade secrets. You're not going to hear about, right. you know, <laughs> divulging your plans for the Super Bowl, but you might talk about it six months later. Right. Um, and it, it is quite collegial, if you will. Um, also, guess what? Maybe that person from Marriott may be working for Hilton in six months. You know, anything can happen, you know. Right. It's it's not, you know, people, you know, yeah, you still have people who are lifers, but others, you know, they kind of move around. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, it, does, it is peer to peer in the sense that it, it really felt like uh, not collective panic. That's not the word I want, but like a collective <laughs> yeah. problem solving, like people well, are legitimately yeah, trying you know, to unlock a conundrum. That's what they are. And it's, you know, two heads are, but look, one of my favorite expressions is, you know, you know, Five years from now, you'll be the same person except for the books that you read and the people that you met, right? Right. So to, so if we can facilitate that you're going to meet people, birds of a feather, right, you can accelerate, you know, your learning process. You can save yourself a lot of time, right, effort, energy, and money. Like, so if I'm looking for a new CRM and you just went through that kind of process, of evaluating all, all of the, the platforms that are, I can save you a lot of time. Hey, how's that working out for you? That's right. Are you guys are, are you guys on Salesforce? Oh yeah, we just switched to Salesforce. How's that working out? Oh, we're really happy. Oh, great. Or hey, but you might, you know, that might be overkill for you guys. You might want to check this other platform here. Okay. So if I can learn from my colleagues, that's really powerful. And that's one of the things you can unlock with a community. That's also the power, you know, we talk about digital being a game changer, but nothing is going to take the place of this face-to-face interaction, right? Being in the same room physically with these folks. Which of and course is of yeah. course is the ideal that they would have with their customers also, right? Like no matter what yeah, the medium right. and the channel and the interface, if they could just get in front of the customer, that's ultimately yeah, what the they same prefer, principles so. apply. Yeah. So as we start 2020, what are the biggest trends or shifts that you've observed when it comes to the ideas and presentations being shared in the community? Um, Yeah, well, it's starting to feel like, you know, the biggest trend right now for 20 will be a continuation of 19, which is kind of the future or evolution of television. So TV is the holy grail. And for years that people in the digital space have been waiting uh for the migration of the hundred million dollar hundred uh billion rather hundred billion dollars 
in North American TV advertising mm-hmm. to kind of mi- to migrate to digital platforms. And again, you saw that with, you know, obviously there's been Hulu and um, there's been, uh, you know, it started with YouTube and Vimeo and uh, as, as the technology for video improved, you saw more ads on video. And now with connected TV, I've got four Samsung digital TVs in my house, right? We just bought like a 82 inch one <laughs> <laughs> and um, each of those t- TVs have a chip in it, right? Yeah. So now your TV and, you know, by virtue of uh, the digital connection as well. And some of my TVs are, you know, on Wi-Fi, on Roku, others are hard- hardwired to cable company uh but you now have the ability to collect data about what am i watching when am i watching it where am i watching how often am i watching it right so just like with your laptop or i don't know does anybody still have a desktop (laughs) there and on your phone right the way the digital media Platforms have been collecting data on you, Google, Facebook, obviously, um, and everybody else. Now it's your TV, right? So we're moving from that terrestrial TV and um, to digital TV. So all of a sudden, uh, network TV, cable TV, Amazon, Hulu, right? All those other platforms, uh, Disney Plus have the ability to collect data so they they can also target right they can if you're a an advertiser you know mash up your first party data with their data and maybe even some third party data from you know nielsen or axiom or um, wherever and send you advertising you know across all platforms and devices, right? Indeed, and it will be interesting to see the implications that CCPA has on the actual devices, right? I actually, I was reading right. that it's more expensive to buy a non-smart TV, quote-unquote, um, than it is to buy uh, a smart TV because they've passed the savings onto the consumer knowing that as a... As a um, a sharp or a Samsung that they can monetize the data being collected, you know, so they can lower the cost of the actual manufacturing. But it'd be interesting to understand how the data privacy laws coming on the books are going to have implications oh, for the really hardware. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it will be, I don't know. Um, um, if we can uh, step back for a second, um, just to orient our listeners, uh, can you tell us how many events does Brand Innovators put on per year? Sure. We do about uh, 45 full day. We call them regional summits mm-hmm. in over 20 cities from coast to coast. So New York, Chicago, San Francisco, those are our tier one markets, if you will, in terms of the number of events we produce in those cities and the number of brands in those markets. Uh, tier two would be Atlanta, Dallas, LA, Minneapolis, Boston. Mm-hmm. Clearly, uh, 
I guess the follow up question for you is the as the co founder is uh, how many days of the year do you spend in airports? <laughs> Too many. Um, <laughs> I'm on the road almost every week, although I like I usually take July and August. Uh, you know, uh, I try to minimize my travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, look, the business is in the market, right? We are, after all, in the conference and events business. Um, our staff is now large enough that, you know, our team can cover these events, mm-hmm. but frankly, I enjoy being, as they say, in the market, meeting with the brands, meeting with our sponsors, getting that, you know, we call the feedback loop, right? Firsthand, um, uh, feedback about how they're enjoying our events. And, uh, it's just a, a wonderful way, I, you know. I love our events for the relationship building too. That's how I build my professional network. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's how I can stay on top. It's, you know, those real time actionable insights make me a better entrepreneur and a better CEO because I can get that, you know, feedback in real time. And um, it's kind of like going on a first date, right? You walk into a room <laughs> full of people. That's the magic, right? Like, Ooh, <laughs> You know, right? Maybe get some uh, some jitters. Like, Ooh, who am I going to meet today? Right? <laughs> yeah, I like. And that. you never know. And if I don't come back from one of my my own events with ten or fifteen business cards, I didn't do a very good job networking, <laughs> right? So, but it's almost like axiomatic, right? If you you know, Woody Allen said, you know, ninety percent of life is showing up. <laughs> it's a great expression because. You know, truly, like, you know, you got to be in it to win it. So, yeah. And that means getting out of the office. Yeah. And it means clearing, clearing your desk for the day and just saying, look, I'm going to go to this event and I'm going to focus on, you know, getting as much out of it as I can. And it will, you know, it will come back to to you in spades. It, it, It does. You know, that's, you know, the conference and events business does not get the credit it deserves, truly. Yeah, you know? that's a that's a hard lifestyle, but it sounds like you're you're showing up when it matters. Um, right. What is the uh, so this is a, a hard question, and for good or for bad, and if you have both, all the best. Um, what is the most memorable thing that's ever happened at a brand innovators event? I'm trying to get at like the distillation of those key things, considering how many events you go to, how long you've been doing it. There is a a risk that it could begin to wash out, but clearly some highlights must stick out in your mind, whether again, for good or, or for ill. Um, Look, I think as long as, like I said before, you've got these new and emerging technologies, all you have to do is go to TechCrunch every day and see, you know, who got funded, mm-hmm. right? So what companies are started, who just got a $20 million, you know, Series A or a $50 million Series D, because it's happening every day. And so by definition, there's always going to be the next big thing when it comes to media, Okay. So, and as long as, you know, the VCs are financing that innovation, we will always have um, a vital business because we're always going to, to be providing brands with, you know, the tools and information that they need and what we call really continuing digital education, right, um, in order to uh, stay on top 
of these new technologies, right? So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's, it's, it's not static at all. It's dynamic, right? Technology is evolving in real time. Okay. Almost on a daily basis. Okay. So as long as that happens and there's kind of like, they see that B2B media really thrives during times of uncertainty. Well, what could be more uncertain is I don't even know what the new platform is, right? That I'll be spending, where will I be spending my dollars, my ad dollars in five years? I don't know. That platform hasn't even been invented yet. I, I once asked Tim Draper, the VC, I said, what's your greatest investment yet ever, Tim? He goes, he thought for a second, he goes, I don't know. I haven't made it yet. I mean, what a great answer. Okay. This is from the guy who, you know, was the original money and Hotmail and Tesla and this one and that one who told me about eight or nine years ago to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> right. right. Ahead of the time. Yeah. <clears throat> Nobody knows what the next big thing is in media. That's the holy grail is right. How do you keep up with changing consumer behavior in terms well, of media and, and consumption, well, let I, alone what I mean, they I call think, leapfrog. How do you get out in front of the consumer, which is probably impossible. Well, and I also think that we probably have entered a time where we need to disabuse ourselves of the notion that there is going to be a next one big thing. You know, since the um, evolution from, you know, network TV, in the 40s and 50s, when you had the three networks into cable, I mean, it's been a constant uh, iterative fracturing of that landscape. And it seems weird to me to make the assumption that it's ever going to like come back around to a, a single one thing. It just seems too distributed now to, to coalesce back into one thing. I mean, even now, you know, yes, it still remains the largest social network, but you know, some of Facebook's poll is going to be redirected in, into different channels along different generational lines. So I think it just, the, the one thing is, I think it's more about staying ahead and staying connected, but I think we would um, lead ourselves astray if we're just holding out for the next big thing. Right. Well, you know, it, it's, again, how do you stay on top of it? Mm -hmm. Well, you go to brand innovators. There you go. <laughs> well, well, what do they do there? Well, oh, I'll, you'll learn from your peers about how they're, um, you know, struggling and coping with digital transformation. So let's let's imagine that you're um, a consultant and you've been asked to come in and help drive some digital transformation initiatives. I say that term with the obvious caveat that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different brands. But given all that you've uh, seen and heard at Brand Innovators over the years, where would you begin to tell a client uh, to start or to think about? Like, how would you put them into kind of the most innovative mindset that you've that you've gleaned from your events? Um, not sure I understand the question. How how would uh... so if you were a consultant and somebody was like, okay, Mark, we want to push innovation and you have all this experience listening to all the best brands in the world talk about how they're driving digital transformation how could you distill those lessons into into something that you would impart to a client yeah i mean look um it it's it's all about um for our sponsors right those clients okay mm -hmm. is um you know i default back to this 
ecosystem. Okay, so you've got this, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of really amazing, you know, uh, innovative companies like Safeguard. Okay, and you're you've got you know, brands have problems. You guys have solutions. So you're kind of like you're the Red Cross, right? You're here to help. <laughs> they we'll, need you. We'll take that analogy. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So Nestle, boy, largest food and beverage company in the world. Okay. 2,000. Yes, you heard that right. 2,000 brands. Okay. Over 1 billion products sold per day. I'm talking about every, you know, individual, you know, probably bottle of Pellegrino and, uh, you know, um, can of this and bottle of that. Okay. But still 1 billion products sold a day. Think, think about that. You know, they're in more countries than the United Nations. Okay. Boy, can they manufacture food products? You know, number, uh, I think they're number one in coffee, you know, not, I'm not talking about retail or buy it, going to a Starbucks. I'm saying coffee you buy at the market. Um, so they're great at sourcing that coffee. Right. And they're great at packaging it and they're great at, you know, roasting it and getting it, you know, on the truck to the consumer. They can do, boy, that's, that's in their DNA, but Hey, if they have a problem with compliance or if they have a problem, you know, understanding, uh, you know, how to engage with the consumer and make sure that that that's not, they don't, that's not what they do. That's where you come in. That's where the the emerging technology companies come to solve their problems. So mm. it's it's kind of amazing, like I said, that this whole industry has engulfed brands, okay? And you guys need each other. They need you. You need them. So, but there's a lot of dysfunction. You guys aren't necessarily meeting. This is where Brand Innovators comes in. So the other piece of Brand Innovators, on the one hand, continuing digital education to fear, helping the brand stay on top of the new and emerging technologies. Okay. The other piece is the marketplace, which is we have over 175 active sponsors. Okay. They have solutions. Okay. They need to meet brands, their entire business model, billions of dollars of funding across thousands of companies is predicated. Who's your customer? Uh, brands. Oh, okay, great. How are you going to meet them? Um, I don't know, right? Meeting a brand marketer, you know, from a Fortune 500, okay, is really hard. You're never going to walk through the front door of Nestle unless you know somebody there. Right. Well, guess what? Or you can sponsor brand innovators, okay, and save yourself about 10 years worth of networking, trying to get somebody, you know, uh, Alicia and Cisco, the CMO, you think you're going to ever get face-to-face with Alicia, the CMO of Nestle? Never. (laughs) Right. Right? There are many gates to pass through. Okay. Brand innovators, you could have met her firsthand. She's, you know, where she, you know, was on stage. Okay. Let alone, you know, the pretty much, you know, the VP of digital at Nestle, Chris Padgett, and the head of digital, digital innovation, Orchid Bertelson, right? They were all at our event all day 
and at our post event, Brand Innovators VIP Dinner, right? So brand marketers on stage presenting to brand marketers in the audience about how they are leveraging new and emerging technologies, right? That is the game changer. It is not a level playing field, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if you are embracing technologies and you know going through a digital transformation, as they like to say, okay, and as a brand, this gets back to where we started, you know, nine years ago when we started Brand Innovators with Facebook bubbling up, okay? If you decided nine years ago, like, the world is changing, okay? We better get her up to speed. We need to build core competencies and capabilities in-house, right, to adapt these new and emerging technologies. You have a clear and massive advantage over your competitors, okay? So it's Keith Weed, the former CMO of Unilever, told me we did an event at Unilever World Headquarters in London uh, about three years ago. And he said, Mark, uh, well, his opening remarks to about 125 senior brand media marketing executives from Unilever who were in the audience there at 100 Victoria Embankment. And he's speaking to his team. He said, over the next two days, this was a two-day event, you're going to meet a couple of dozen uh, digital media and advertising technology companies. It's your job. He pointed to the audience. It's your job to, to meet with them and to take their calls because the future of Unilever depends on how we work with these companies. Like, wow, this guy got it. Yes, the, compet- every, the competitive advantage. Right. If every CMO thought like that, right? So back in the day, when, again, you could buy a roadblock on network TV, it was a level playing field. You have the money, anybody can do it. Now, the, the, the one-on-one platforms like social, the mass you know, media, you know, and there's an expression now, it's like, you know, you know mass media is now, being reinvented, reinvented by what they call personalization. Mm-hmm. So while TV is a mass media, the messages you can deliver are highly personalized, right? So your TV and or a cable company know more about you, you know, than you know than your spouse <laughs> in terms of how you're consuming, you know, what you're doing. Um, so it's kind of that righteous balance between, you know. Again, social, mobile, you know, all the platforms, you know, your laptop, your your TV. And now there's outdoors in the mix too, right? Because with your mobile phone, if you're at the intersection of uh, Wilshire Boulevard and Westwood Boulevard, you know, and there's an electronic billboard there, you know, they could almost serve an ad to you personally. That's right. Yeah. Right? yeah. It, it's pretty amazing really what's happening but it's all about you got to stay on top because everybody the world is changing at light speed and so how do you how do you stay on top you know it's really it's interesting that you're talking about personalization and innovation and the last few months we've heard cmos and and others talk about security in new ways how does security play a role in innovation and in this conversation from the outside it seems like 
they would be opposing topics, right? Security versus innovation with this personalized message on a billboard. Well, look, security is, you know, it's a huge issue. And I think we've all been a little in denial about it, um, (laughs) you know, but it's kind of maybe finally catching up with us. But, you know, I mean, for the most part, um, it's been the Wild West with digital. And I think, you know, government regulators, as they should, are now, you know, again, as digital grows up, you know, they've they've kind of stayed out of the way, um, you know, so that these technologies can thrive and build and get some critical mass but now it's time to to address you know know, privacy security um you know we've seen with all these credit card breaches you really can't take security for granted this is like or just consumer data sitting in unsecured absolutely uh, you know elastic search databases it's like oh well there's all my medical records great (laughs) hundred percent um i have friends that still get hacked because you know you get that weird email it comes in and you say, wait a minute, this is somebody pretending to be my friend or open this Google doc, which is always a red flag. That's like, right. I haven't heard from you for nine years. Right. Why would right. I open this Google doc? <laughs> it's vital that you do so. Yeah. Um, cool. You know, so the point being, yeah, security, whether it's business, personal, you know, is a billion dollar multi-billion dollar industry that um again it you know it's uh, maybe more one of the more mundane areas of marketing and media but it's essential because if the information is not safe and secure then everything will implode right and it's right. it's great that we're having these conversations especially with yeah. brand marketers cool well Um, that about wraps it up for us. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're very busy, so, um, we really appreciate it and we will let you know, and we will of course tag you in social the moment it goes live. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Had a great time. Thanks. Thanks again, Mark. We'll, uh, I'll actually see you soon. I'll see you in Vegas. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. All right. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Bye guys. Bye. 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 great i love hearing about all the peer-to-peer collaboration and how it's all about changing alongside your consumer behavior and putting them first because that's what matters that's right well thank you for tuning in if you like what you've heard give us a rating give us a review we'd love to hear from you um in the meantime we give our thanks to abby bruce as ever for sound design and production matthias safaliti for our theme music and until next time stay safe This is the Safeguard Zero Hour signing off.